I'm Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. family welcome to another great episode of making a difference you know who it is it's your host slicking and black eyes throwing these flows like rice and winds <laughs> it's me ken Macon. glad you decided to check in with us today whether you're at work whether you're riding in your car just thankful that you all are supporting the making a difference movement before we get started on another great show we're going to be talking about education today we uh, have a special guest on our show from uh, the richmond county georgia board of education she's going to be on talking to us about uh, the uh, Opportunity School District, and why you should vote no on it if you are a resident of Georgia. But before, before we get into that, and really just a, a conversation when it comes to education, it's not only uh, on the local level or the state level, it's a national conversation. There are celebrities who are weighing in, you know, in terms of education. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, want to shout out our sponsors. want to say thanks to the Medical Villa Pharmacy at, on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for affordable health care, and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further, the Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Also want to thank our new sponsor. Some of you all asked me, Kim, were you serious about the popcorn? Man, I'm, I'm not playing with y'all about this popcorn they got at Pop and Stop, man. Best popcorn, uh, definitely in the state of Georgia, uh, quite possibly the world. <laughs> uh, you can find this popcorn at 3558 Winter Spring Road in Hepsiba, Georgia. Uh, can't stop, won't stop, pop and stop. Uh, go check my folks out at pop and stop. Go, um, go see about Amber. Uh, the number out there is 706-524-7503, 706-524-7503, pop and stop. That's for TJ. TJ said, hey, man, you was playing about it. TJ, I'm not playing about this popcorn, man. Go out there and check that out, man. Shout out to Beach Island, by the way. Uh, TaxWise, also our other sponsor, TaxWise Financial at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepsibah. Professional and affordable representation, the wise choice. For all your tax needs, that's TaxWise Financial, 706-305-1412. Before we get into the conversation, and before I introduce this guest to you, who, by the way, that guest is uh, none other than uh, Venus Kane, who uh, really is, is a friend uh, of the Making a Difference show. She's going to talk about the Opportunity School District, which, if you all have heard me talk about this in the past, you all know I call it the No Opportunity School District. But here are five things that I, I want you guys to know about Governor Deal. 
uh, Governor Nate, um, Nathan Deal's Opportunity School District. He wants to create a plan to create a statewide school district uh, that will give his office broad new powers to take over family schools. I want to shout out the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's where we got this information from. Uh, it would uh, This Opportunity School District, we'll call it OSD moving forward, uh, it would, for the first time ever, create a uh, statewide district to oversee the Oversee education, led by a superintendent who will report directly to the governor and not the state education department. Georgia voters would have to approve it on a statewide vote in November because the law will require change to the state constitution that would make it yes, a constitutional amendment. That being said, here are the five most important things to know about OSD. First thing is this. Uh, as I mentioned, it will create a statewide district with authority to seize control of schools deemed to be failing every year. The state would have total authority over the schools put into the special district and could remove principals and teachers, change what students are learning, and control, control the school's budgets. Here's the second thing. If voters approve the uh, OSD, the state would likely start taking over schools beginning with the 2017-2018 school year, basing its selection on College and Career Readiness Performance Index, or CCRPI data, from uh, the preceding years, 2014-2015, 2015-2016, and 2016-2017. The idea is modeled after the recovery school district in Louisiana, where 10 years ago the state snatched more than 100 of New Orleans' worst schools uh, in a Hail Mary attempt to revamp the district. Uh, Georgia's Opportunity District, if approved, will be one of Deal's signature pieces of education policy and a drastic department from the state's current, more passive approach to failing, sco failing schools. Advocates of the model say it shows what's possible when elected school boards, unions, and poorly run school systems get out of the way and let school leaders decide how to educate students. Um, the vote is, as I mentioned, coming up in November. I do want to talk about some of the opponents to uh, the school takeover plan. Uh, opponents of state takeover say it will give control of schools to an aloof entity that is not accountable to voters or parents. They say it is unclear what the state would do to improve schools that local districts aren't already doing. And the real issue for many schools, they say, is poverty. As I mentioned at the start of the show, I am definitely, uh, unequivocally, undoubtedly, <laughs> voting no on this because it's not just about control for me and control in and of itself uh, is, is should be a deciding factor um, to vote no but it's, it's it, it is about economics as the AJC article alluded to so many of the problems that we have that we're dealing with in terms of our students um, are issues of economics it is you know where they're coming from you know the, the homes that they're coming from, the challenges that they may be facing in terms of poverty, you know, the challenges that they may be facing in terms of transportation. And so you have students who, even before they step foot in the classroom, there are conditions which make it uh, more challenging for them to succeed, make it more challenging for them to learn in an educational setting. And in addition to that, if we want to talk about Governor Nathan Deal, in terms of education in the state of Georgia, let's be totally honest. Governor Deal, uh, during a large portion of his tenure, cut education year after year after year, cut the education budget year after year after year. So now this same governor is coming back and saying, well, hey, I got a plan you know, to help uh, some of these failing schools. Well, I have a plan for Governor Deal. Invest more money in education. Um, stop, stop cutting education down to the bare bones, give, uh, administrators. Well, let me, let me do this in order of importance. Let's give students, let's give teachers, let's give administrators the resources that they need 
to be able to succeed. That's the that's the long and the short of it from that perspective. We're going to obviously get into this a lot more because there's a lot to talk about. I mentioned that this is uh, based on a uh, based on a model uh, after the recovery school district in Louisiana, which we are now learning is a massive failure, is not doing well. So that's another strike against what I call the no opportunity school district. Another important point of reference when we talk about the no opportunity school district really is representation. When I say representation in terms of taxpayer representation, it's something that's very important. Um, when you think about it, and I'll just talk about it from the perspective of the parent. Okay, let and make no mistake about it, I understand that there are a lot of folks who are not happy with public education, who are not happy with education maybe in their you know, local municipality or, or their particular area. Here's the deal. If you have a problem with you know, maybe your child's teacher, maybe your child's principal, maybe you have a problem with the superintendent, there are channels that you can go through to address those concerns. You can address those concerns uh, within a very distinct hierarchy. If you have a problem with your child's teacher, you go to the principal. If you have a problem with the principal, you can go to the superintendent. If you have a problem with the superintendent, you can go to your local school board. Here's the deal. No pun intended. The, if the Opportunity School District is put into play, um, the that particular district will be led by a superintendent who would report directly to the governor and not the state education department. Here's what some of what that means in my mind is that when you have a problem, when you have an issue, now you're not calling locally. You're not, you know, it, it may not be just a, a simple drive down to, you know, the school board, or it may not be just a simple drive down to the school. Now, there are some problems that may not be able to be addressed unless you're calling down to Atlanta, Georgia. I can tell you from my personal experience of trying to call down, you know, to Atlanta when in terms of just getting, you know, getting in touch with people, you know, who are, um, you know, administrators, people that are in state education. It is very difficult. It is something that can be very frustrating. My here, here's my here's my just overall recommendation in terms of what should be done in terms of uh, local education and then expanding that out statewide. What parents need to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the parents now, is parents invest in your, in your child's education. Invest the money, invest the time. Please do that. Very early on, the school year is still relatively young. If you have not met your child's teacher yet, take the time to do that. These things are vitally important. And I, I will say this for Augusta, Richmond County, um, under the leadership of Dr. Angela Pringle, they have really made strides, you know, to make sure that, you know, they, they have that wrapper, they have that uh, type of relationship, you know, between teacher and student, between teacher and principal. And those type of those type of discussions and dialogues are important. I want to take that point and I want to uh, move along talking about OSD. And one of the things that concerns me is, and it's really something that concerns me just in, in politics overall. I feel, now, don't get me wrong, OSD has been talked about adequately. I feel like it's been talked more about um, in terms of, you know, third parties. You know, you have unions and groups like that who've been talking about this thing, I mean, really since Governor Deal proposed it. And they have done a inadequate job um, just in terms of, you know, uh, speaking truth to power. Has that message gotten out to the community at large? It really hasn't. That's one of the concerns that I have. Because here's the deal. If you understand 
the dynamics of this school district and who it will give uh, power and authority to, I think if people really understood that, this thing wouldn't, I mean, it, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't fly. It wouldn't get, you know, 30% of the vote. What's going to happen is that they're going to build this opportunity school district as a way um, to, you know, to say, hey, well, you know, we want, um, this is a way for your child to have better opportunities in education. They're going to throw out the term, you know, charter schools. They're going to throw out these different ideologies that's going to make it sound really good. But in actuality, what it's going to do is it's going to take the power away from the taxpayer in terms of dictating some of the things that go on um, in education. I want to, um, in, in, in talking about charter schools, and charter schools is going to be a theme that we're going to uh, follow here moving forward. I had a chance to, uh, you know, I want to look at charter schools and kind of see how they're doing across the country. There's a particular incident in Florida. Uh, there was a nine-month um, investigation uh, found in the, the Naples Daily News. Uh, found fail failures by charter school operators and cracks in Florida law that led to the closing of 119 charter school campuses since 2008, uh, an average of one every three weeks. Uh, those closures have displaced an estimated 14,000 students, many of whom were shuffled back to traditional public schools. As a part of the investigation, the Daily News reviewed hundreds of documents, analyzed financial and academic performance data, and interviewed more than 60 people connected to the charter system. The Daily News also produced the first-of-its-kind database, which details how each of those 119 schools made its end. Uh, the research provi uh, provides a portrait of Flor Florida's charter system, excuse me, which fosters many successful schools, but also allows dozens of ill-prepared operators to educate Florida's children. I had a chance to see a, a great commentary uh, from John Oliver. I believe the name of his show is Last Week. Um, or this or weekend review, something like that, with John Oliver, and he had a scathing review of char of charter schools. I had a chance to look at it, and I felt like it was very honest and it was very candid. I'm not saying charter schools, you know, are a bad idea. I've seen situ I've seen, uh, you know, in in major metros in different areas where charter schools have succeeded. I believe, uh, in terms of private education. In terms of public education, the primary objective is making sure that students and parents are actively involved uh, in the process. Teachers are teachers are going to by default be in, involved. Administrators by default are going to be involved. And you know, I understand that people think you know teachers and administrators need to do more, and that's that's part of it. But I just I believe that there is a burden of responsibility that is so important that falls on parents to make sure that your child is getting what they need to get in terms of education. That's a discussion that we don't have nearly as much uh, when it comes to education. And really, people don't want to have it because, you know, they say, well, you know, it's, it's up to the teachers to, uh, the teachers to teach, uh, so on and so forth. The And I'll just tell you from my experience. Uh, both my parents uh, actually have degrees in education. My mom uh, is still teaching. She's been teaching, you know, in the neighborhood of 25 uh, 30 years. Uh, look, been teaching for a very long time. I'm saying all of that uh, to say this. I've seen teachers do the job of, you know, feeding kids, of, you know, providing uh, supplies for kids, particularly, you know, in uh, low-income neighborhoods. You know, you have students coming from, from neighborhoods and you have teachers really step up. And it's, it's commendable. It I feel like in, in many ways, and I, I think this is to the fault of education overall, they've almost made it a necessity for teachers to do that, you know, and 
to me, these are the type of conversations we need to be having when it comes to, that, to education. You know, I don't, I don't think there's so much of things that need to be changed governmentally. I don't think there are things that need to be changed in terms of, you know, establishing a constitutional amendment. And with our guest who's coming up, uh, Ms. Venus Kane, really, um, I think you all are really going to enjoy um, that discussion. She's a very open, very honest, very candid, you know, about some of the concerns that she has. We're going to share that discussion in its entirety after these messages. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Have you gotten a letter from the IRS about an audit, levy, or tax lien? Worried because you haven't filed taxes in several years? Well, stop worrying and call the tax pros at TaxWise Financial on Tobacco Road. TaxWise Financial is licensed to represent you at all levels of the IRS in any state. From the simple to the complex, professional and affordable representation by TaxWise Financial will help resolve all of your tax issues. Call them at 706-305-1412. TaxWise Financial, the wise choice for all your tax needs. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Here, ready to have a very important conversation. As you know, you know, it's election season. There's a, a vote here in Augusta, Richmond County, really in the whole state of Georgia, uh, that requires, I, I believe, everybody's immediate attention. And, you know, really, people need to be doing some, some research on this topic. Of course, we're talking about the Opportunity School District. Um, I call it the No Opportunity School District, and I'm going to, not only am I, but the, uh, my guest on Making a Difference today is going to explain exactly why um, why I'm calling it the No Opportunity School District. I'm here with uh, really a friend of the show, uh, really a, a friend of the Augusta community. It's the District 9 School Board Trustee, uh, Miss Venus Kane. How you doing today? Fine, and you? How are you, Ken? Doing awesome. I, I tell you, just... Uh, in, enjoying this Labor Day weekend, but you know, really just keeping in mind and understanding that uh, basically in two months, you know, we have this very important vote that uh, that we have to uh, let people know about, and I'm sure you um, are in, in agreement along with me that people need to know some of the dangers uh, when it comes to the Opportunity School District. Um, just kind of give us some some of your viewpoints on. Well, first of all, if you'll share with the community, if you'll share with the listening audience, what the Opportunity School District is. The Opportunity School District is a constitution amendment in which the governor has come up with this brilliant plan on how he's going to make schools better. And if a school is considered a selling, the state will come in at the taxpayer's expense and they will fund the so-called gov uh, government takeover school. 
which at that time you have no say so on what happens at that school, how the money is spent at that school, what type of staff is there, if you have issues or problems. You cannot even pick up the phone and call any board member or the central office of Richmond County Board of Education because we have no control over the school. You will have to call the governor to get any of your concerns addressed. We will not be able to address anything dealing with your child's education, discipline, uh, special needs, you name it. It belongs to that one person, that one person the governor appoints has all the power to say what goes on with that school and what does not go on. The next danger of that uh, process is if the governor decides, say, a school is a persistently failing school under No Child Left Behind, under all the gimmicks and all the different programs they've had out there to evaluate a child um, or children's success, he decides it's a persistently failing school, so therefore, I'm going to close that school. If he closes the school, that school cannot reopen, I think it's for five to six years. And once it reopens, it cannot reopen under the same configuration in which the school once existed. So if you had a 9 through 12, it can no longer be a high school. It can, you can reopen the school after so many years as an elementary or a middle school, but it will never be able under this Constitution Amendment to be able to open it back up as a high school. Wow. That's, uh, there were some things that you uh, said, you know, just even within that um, explanation that I, I didn't know about just in terms of, you know, once the school is closed, what I, what I really just want to convey and want people to understand, and you've already explained it, but I would love to hear you explain it further, is this is really, in my mind, this is less about, you know, children, it's less about education, and it seems more about control, particularly on the, on the political level. We need to ask our listeners, when you really look at it and start breaking it down, if the governor had the idea on how to change schools, if he literally knows how to change so-called failing schools, why hasn't he shared that with the state of Georgia? Mm. That's a great... Why hasn't he came back and told everybody without changing the Constitution? What he has done is change the rules of the game constantly he's gotten in office. So if he has a brilliant plan on how to change schools and make them like shared with the state, why do you need to bring in your group of people to control something who also controls the money? You look at charter schools. The charter schools in the paper last month in the Atlanta Constitution were a charter school, which he put in place this new charter school, the web state, the charter schools that want to open up charter schools no longer have to go through the school board, their local school board. They have a commission. They put the commission in place. They gave this school a charter, and the man robbed them the billion right up under their nose. The local charter school here we have in Hepzibah, all they get is the FTE money. A school cannot survive off of FTE. They tried to bully us into allowing them to be on our squad. Why? Because they cannot afford to run a school without extra funding. So it's about money. It's never really about educating the children. 
when you say the F the FTE money, can you um, explain just how that works? Your FTE money is what you count students twice a year. Twice a year, students are counted. And based on this formula that really is very difficult to understand, that's how the state uh, tells you how much money you will get. They count, they count once in the fall and once in uh, the spring. But here's the flip side of that. And with charter schools, say they counted a kid in a charter school, and say we count in November. They count that kid in November, that charter school gets money for that child. If it's 1500 if it's $2,000, $15,000, that's what the school that the child is attending gets. If that child, for whatever reason, that's in the charter school, they misbehave or they're not following the guidelines, what they require parents to do or whatever, they don't do it, they kick them out the charter school, then the child then comes back to us with no funding, while the charter school kept the funding. Mm. That's See, they can play money. They can play games with the money. As long as you got a child in your school at the time of the count, they, whoever has possession of that child at the time keeps possession of that money until the final count. Again, in the spring. So it's, 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 it's like that, um, you know, the coconut game where you put the ball up under. The shell game. Coconut and somebody, <laughs> yeah, the shell game, and they spin it around, and you got to figure out which one the ball is up under. It's the same thing. <laughs> That's just a, a very a very scary proposition, and you know, I, and, and really, I, I feel like what's going on in Georgia, and in some ways, this is really something that's that's going on all over the country. And I think you can really put it under the umbrella of what I consider the fight uh, for public education, and a, a lot of why, why this fight is is kind of shifting in a different direction. Why it's uh, shifting, you know, and it's putting public education in danger is because you have, you know, these narratives, you have this rhetoric, you know, we, we hear the word charter schools. And I think a lot of people, you know, gravitate toward that because they hear the word charter and they're thinking, oh, we well, you know it's, it's better opportunities, you know, for for our kids, you know, without really understanding the, the political, the economics uh, dynamics behind some, some of the things that um, are going on. I wanted to, um, and by the way, we're here, um, you're listening to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're here uh, with school board trustee out of Augusta, Richmond County, um, Venus Kane. We're here talking about the Opportunity School District. Ms. Kane, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I understand there was uh, some commentary um, in one of the local papers recently where actually one of the former mayors of Augusta uh, had some some. Uh, things to say in regards to, uh, you know, kind of blasting the, the Board of Education. I understand you want to speak on some of those uh, comments. Yeah. One of the things, because first of all, a lot of his information was, was uh, incorrect. Second of all, he shouldn't even be commenting about charter schools for Richmond County Board of Education because he was the founder of the charter school out in Hepzibah. So it is to his advantage to make sure he can point out all our flaws. Second of all, posted and said that um, I was the president. I haven't been the president over a year, one or two years. He does not really understand OSD. And when was the last time our former mayor, Bob Young, walked into a Richmond County school to see what really goes on? See, people 
That's the that's the cyber command. Yeah. Huh? That's the cyber command, right? challenges to be successful. That's never going to change. 
you you brought up a point about perception, and I think perception is is a a, a primary um, you know thing to look at as it relates to you know this discussion. And I'm I'm not going to get into just the the wide ranging you know just the kind of the negative connotation that I feel like the media and invariably the um, the public you know puts on Augusta. I um. I, I could talk about that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to talk about that at this particular time. But I, I, I want to ask you, how much of a challenge is that, you know, being somebody who's been on the on the school board, who's been on the Board of Education for years, how much of a challenge is that when you're trying to have important discussions, when you're trying to make sure that, you know, um, the teachers are, you know, the teachers have all the tools they need to succeed, likewise with the, the kids, and you're making sure the parents are informed. How much of a challenge can misinformation and, you know, just really just a kind of a, a negative culture, how, how much can that impair you all's, um, you know, a, a administration and things like that? It's frustrating and it's very difficult because we have, a, I guess you say, a culture of Involved in our community and in our community. We reach out, we go to great lengths to reach out and keep teachers and parents and the community informed. We have the shout outs where we come up here. We have newsletters uh, that go home. It's on our website, it's on our Facebook page. But yet, still, there's a lot of communication. Well, communication goes both ways. So if we're communicating and we're putting these things out and we aren't getting any responses, then you can't say the board is not doing anything. Many times people want to say the board is not doing anything where they don't understand 90% of the stuff that we do is dictated to us by the state. The state says you must do it. You know, this opportunity school district, you know, the state said we had to. And here's the funny part. When no schools in the state were, were coming along and taking this serious and choosing and the, the, choosing the type of school system you want to be, i.e. to square charter or, or status quo, when all of us, nobody in the state was moving forward with that, the state then came and said, you got to drop that date to submit your paperwork or we're going to pick for you. In the process of us finishing up the process, getting ready to make our selection as IE2 Square, we found out it changed. So the rules constantly change, but yet still they expect our children to succeed. You can't say a child should succeed based on the rules today, and at the end of the year, you change the rules again and move the bar when the child has met the bar. You move the bar again and say, oh, by the way, you all didn't make it. That's what the state is doing. And I shouldn't say the state. That's what our governor is doing. Every, and if you go back and you look at Common Core, governors from across the United States got together thinking, man, there got to be a way for us to fairly measure children's academic success. So what we're going to do, the governors came up with this. We're going to go with Common Core. The Common Core sounds really good. And that'll be a fair measurement of how each state is doing because everybody in the United States is now on Common Core. They came back 
shoved the common core down the throats of educators. Once they shoved it down and some states saw that it wasn't working, you go back and Google it, many states started pulling out the common core because of the rigor. Georgia said, no, we're going to stay here. Because it was another way to undermine public education and say that our children aren't learning. The math curriculum has since I've been on the board has changed five or six times. Every time it changed, the state does not give any guidance, no training on how they want to teach the new way of teaching two plus two. <laughs> so, you know, you send one person and they got to come back and train everybody if you send someone. So everything that the state and our governor has done, again, has been a to justify taking public funds and using it for private education in private schools. I want to ask That's you. That's the bottom line. I want to ask you this, Ms. Kane. By the way, you're listening to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're uh, here with uh, school uh, board district, excuse me, school board trustee uh, Venus Kane, uh, talking about uh, the Opportunity School District. One of the, con the profound concerns that I have is, you know, we we've talked. We you and I have actually talked about this um, previously. Uh, months ago, but I'm, I'm starting to see that, you know, the conversation is revving up. But one of the things I see uh, in, in politics is I think a lot of times, you know, um, in our community, we'll see, you know, these conversations rev up maybe two to three months before a big election. And I feel like that it's, it's not something what happens as a result of that. It, it doesn't give, you know, the community enough time to really understand the issues. It doesn't give the community really enough time to, you know, really uh, be able to profoundly understand part, what's at stake. So my question to you is, what can we do um, as the media? What can we do as a greater community in terms of disseminating information to really help people understand why this is so important? What can we do? Well, first of all, we need to talk about it more. You know, it's um, a good Facebook is a good example. You know, there was something that was posted on Facebook. Somebody tagged me in and the person said, oh, is this the reason for us to vote for OSB? And I came back and said, go for OSB if you want to. But remember, you as a parent have no control over what goes on in that school. You cannot call a school board member. You can't call this county. We have to continuously put the myth and lay them, lay them to rest. Because so many people have an idea that this going to make public education better. All we can do is put the information out there, how the media chooses to twist or turn it, instead of saying these are the facts. Because when you read the Constitution Amendment, it sounds really, really, really good. But do you know the nuts and bolts of what sounds good? You know, as our mother used to tell us and our grandparents would say, what's which is sometimes what you think is good for you may not be good for you. The grass looks greener on the other side. You get on the other side and the grass is not as green. The same principle here. As a community, we have to talk and we have to put out the truth. We have to put it out there as it is. Because the myth will go farther than the truth will in our community. Great points all. I just I, I would like to add a um 
another adage to that. Uh, when it when it comes to you know these type of constitutional amendments and you know this this legislation, I always say you know that the devil's in the details, and you know people really need to understand. Basically, this and I I, I just feel like it, it really comes down to this essentially. However, you may feel about your local school board, um, you know this is particularly for my my Georgians listening in, listening in uh, to making a difference. However, you may feel about the school board or however you may feel you know about you know your your child's school. You can call up to the school, you can call up to the school board, and you will be able you will be able to have that direct line to share your angst, to share your concerns. If the opportunity school district goes into effect, and I can tell you this from my experience of trying to call down to Atlanta and speak to, you know, administrators in education, the problem you don't want to have is when you try to call down to Atlanta and speak to somebody about your child's education, because that that is what's going to happen if this thing goes into effect. You're not going to have the voice that you have now in education. Uh, Ms. Kane, is that is that a safe assessment? I mean, that's true. You know, and here's the thing when the governor and we had a lot of federal grants Laney um, Jenkins White Lynn Hills Middle Lynn Hills those three Glen Hills those three schools Laney Jenkins White and Glen Hill Middle when the state backed out, and the governor, more so the governor backed out, provided us the services and the interventions that we needed. Each one of those schools excelled. Every last one of them. Jenkins White, for the first time, under No Child Left Behind, whatever it was after that, and whatever it was after that, those children made the bar. They made the when the services and the state was in here providing us assistance and helping and the governor and them backed out, Glen Hills Middle succeeded. They met the bar. Just as soon as the state said, well, you made the bar, we're out of here. The extra stuff that we needed to help us be successful that the state provided, we moved the bar. So if we can move the bar when we have our proper funding, we have the extra resources we need. Why do we need to change the Constitution? Why do we need to? You don't mess with the Constitution. You allow every governor to come in there and want to change the Constitution, we're going to be in trouble. And if I'm not mistaken, under this governor, we have changed the Constitution twice. This will be the fact time. That is dangerous when you start messing with the state constitution. I, t- I, I, t- I totally agree. And this, as, as I mentioned, everybody, we need to have this conversation. I'm going to share links with you all. Uh, you can be uh, rest assured. This is a discussion that we're going to be having on making a difference. I'm just glad to have uh, Miss Venus Kane on the show. As I mentioned, a great friend of the show. And as you can tell, she's very, I'm passionate about this particular topic. Miss Kane, if people want to talk to you personally, I know they're going to maybe listening in and have some questions. How can people get in touch with you? They can go on the Richmond County Board of Education website under the um, board members. All my contact information is there, my, my telephone number and my email address if 
email me, I get right back to you. You can call me, and if I don't answer when you call, believe you, then I will call you back before the day is out. But I just need people to understand before we go. If the governor knew how to move the schools in the state of Georgia forward, why doesn't he tell us, and why does he need a Constitution amendment to do it? What is the secret? What's the secret that he's not sharing with the rest of the state? Great question. Just to um, let you guys know, Opportunity School District, making a difference is telling you vote no. Uh, <laughs> the I'm thinking the there's a unanimous consent with the uh, Richmond County School, with the uh, Richmond County Board of Education that's saying yes, vote no on the opportunity um opportunity school district so if if you have any you know if you've been listening and you have any questions on how we feel vote no miss venus so glad to have you on making a difference today good to be here ken and thank you as always i'm richmond county sheriff richard roundtree you're listening to making a difference with ken macon looking for a snack on the go a gift for someone you know well i want to let you know about my brand new shop Hop and stop. Hi, my name is Amber, and if you're like me, you want three things to be great in life. Food, fun, and friends. Well, Pop and Stop has all three. First, the food. We have the best gourmet popcorn in Augusta, and quite possibly the world. We have flavors such as strawberry cheesecake, vanilla, Oreo cheesecake, cheesy ranch, and much more. As far as the fun, we have great discounts, deals, and events for our loyal customers. What about friends? We consider the Augusta community to be our friends, more like family, really. When you support Pop and Stop, you're supporting our youth. When you support Pop and Stop, you're supporting local entrepreneurs and artists through events such as Pop, Sip, and Stroke. So stop in today. Once you pop, you can't stop. Pop and Stop, you can find us at 3558 Windsor Spring Road next to the Checkers, or give us a call at 706-524-7503. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I really hope you all enjoyed that interview. I just want to tie up uh, the rest of today's show with just a couple of a couple of stories, uh, education-related stories. The first, uh, believe it or not, is about Sean Diddy Combs. Uh, and I really want to first and foremost address uh, Diddy's comments about President Obama. Now, this is from CNN. Uh, Diddy says he thinks uh, black voters got a, quote, little bit shortchanged by Barack Obama's presidency, and he urged the black community to, quote, hold our vote as a way to spur meaningful action by political leaders. Uh, Diddy told Reverend Al Sharpton on MSNBC that, quote, the heat has to be turned up so much that as a community, we've got to hold our vote. He said, don't pacify yourself, really revolutionize the game, make them come for our vote. It's a whole different strategy, but I think we need to hold our vote because I don't believe any of them. The entertainment icon explained why he thinks that Obama has done an excellent job as president. He also feels like the first black presidency didn't fully deliver on its promise. First thing he said, uh, I quote, my number one thing, to be honest, is black people. I feel like we put President Obama in the White House. When I look back, I just wanted more done for my people because that's the name of the game, he said. This is politics. You put somebody in office, you get in return the things that you care about for your communities. I think we like, we got a little bit shortchanged. That's not knocking the president, did he say? Uh, he's done an excellent job, you know, but I think it's time to turn the heat because the black vote is going to determine who is the next president of the United States. Uh, he also addressed Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, laying out what he hopes she'll um, do to one of her black voters. 
uh, he quoted, is quoted as saying, Hillary Clinton, you know, I hope she starts to talk directly to the black community. It really makes me feel, you know, almost hurt that our issues are not addressed and that we're such a big part of the voting, voting block. Diddy supported uh, President Obama's 2008 campaign, appearing at a Get Out the Vote rally in Los Angeles that year. Uh, but the media mogul also told the Washington Post in her interview last October that GOP nominee Donald Trump, quote, is a friend of mine and he works very hard. There's so much to talk about in this story. Um, Diddy's not totally wrong here. It's just that I, I, I grow weary of, I don't even think Diddy's so much trying to tell half-truths. I think we have to put all of this in perspective and put it in context. Uh, first of all, Diddy's a businessman. And he's always been that way. Diddy has, look, exploited his fair share of folks over the years. But I just think in context of when we talk about politics, when we talk about Diddy, uh, who is also making an investment in education, let's understand, like, what are some hot-button topics right now? Uh, quote, uh, you know, I, I use the term in this context, revolution. I, I, I put it in quotation marks. Revolution is hot right now. You know, uh, Kaepernick uh, is, you know, took his stand against the national anthem. You know, we, you know, we see Black Lives Matter. This is something that's a hot button topic. And, you know, Diddy's a businessman. He understands that there are certain buzzwords that are going to move the needle, that are going to draw interest. And why is Diddy um, trying to do that? Well, one, he's a celebrity. You know, he wants to stay out in front. But Diddy um, is also, <laughs> as I mentioned, he's in education himself. He steered the creation of the Capital Prep Harlem School. It's a charter school scheduled to open this fall. Uh, in a statement, Mr. Combs, who was born in Harlem, said creating the school was, quote, a dream come true for me. Uh, the charter school was aboard, uh, approved by, I guess in the Harlem, well, I know it was a board of regents, presumably Harlem, um, in 2014, but Mr. Combs' involvement had not been previously publicized. The school will replicate the model of Capital Preparatory Magnet, um, which is a year-round school in Hartford uh, it's, that says it has high graduation and college acceptance rates. The founder of the Hartford School, Steve Perry, said, in a recent interview, that it was unclear what role um, Mr. Combs would play in the new school. Uh, beginning in 2011, Mr. Combs recruited Mr. Perry uh, to bring his educational model to Harlem, provided office space, and quietly rallied support in the community. Mr. Perry said it's important to note um, it was uh, Diddy, uh, who in, he said he, but I'm saying Diddy, uh, who inspired our team to come in and expand into New York. Uh, the school is set to open, as I mentioned, this fall with 160 students in 6th and 7th grades. School officials said it would expand one grade per year, eventually enrolling 700 students in grades 6 through 12. It is currently accepting applications for students and staff members. You may feel like this is petty. I'm just being perfectly honest. Diddy <laughs> made these controversial comments about the president to draw buzz to him into the school. It's not, some people say, well, why would Diddy say something that, you know, could be perceived as something negative? It's not about the so much what's the negativity. It's about the controversy. Business people understand that Donald Trump right now is in position to become the president of the United States because he understands what he needs to say to drum up, a, to first of all, drum up support from a base. However you may feel about that base and however I may feel about that base because it is a racist, xenophobic base. But guess what? He has garnered the Republican nomination. Now, I'll, let me let me just let me just let me do this. Let's just go down and let's just really just break down what Diddy's talking about here. Because first thing Diddy says, um, he says, uh, did we you know we got a little bit shortchanged? Diddy, I agree with you. I agree that black voters got a little bit shortchanged. I'm gonna tell you why. 
because in terms of Democrats, Democrats, they do not come in our communities unless it's a, an even uh, even number year. And, and really, politicians don't. And the reason why they don't is because it's a culture that they've helped to create and that we as taxpayers have helped to foster. And that is, we don't care about the political process unless we're voting for a president. So when you have midterm elections and different things like that, nobody knows what's going on until it's too late, until it's November, which is one of the concerns, incidentally, I have as we're talking about this Opportunity School District. The community at large is not involved in the political process. And so what happens is, is that you have politicians who, because nobody's watching the hen house, you have these folks who dig their heels in, um, do things for their own personal good, and they do it at the expense of everybody else. So in that in that ter- in those terms, yes, black voters absolutely got shortchanged by the Obama presidency. Now, here's a conversation I've always had with people. And if you've listened to this show since we started, you know how I feel about uh, President Obama in terms of his Im- uh, imagery, what he means as, a, as an icon, as a family man, as a father figure. He's been exemplary. And, hey, we all drank the President Obama Kool-Aid, but there are some serious questions that we need to ask. If you care about historically black colleges and universities, there are some things that our president have done has done that leaves a lot to be desired in terms of Black Lives Matter, actually um, promoting and enforcing real legislation uh, to come forward to make police, uh, excuse me, law enforcement departments nationwide accountable for some of the things that are happening as it relates to just the disproportionate amounts of African-Americans who are um, being mistreated um, having their uh, look being killed by uh, through acts of police brutality. More more needs to be done. More needs to be said. I know some people, you know, are gonna are gonna hear you know are gonna hear this commentary and say, well, you know, we got to do more. There has to be an element of personal responsibility. And we and we come up with all of these different you know excuses. And I'm 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 to this point personally. I'm to the point where I'm a taxpaying American citizen. I and somebody who's knowledgeable about what's going on in my community, and I try to do a good job of um, sharing that information, and I try to know what's going on on a national level as well. And so based on that, I do have critiques, and I have honest assessments of individuals and of certain things that are going on. Has President Obama done a good job? He's done a respectable job. Are there some points of reference that we as a community should be honest enough to address and address so in a respectable manner? Absolutely. That those those type of conversations need to happen. Diddy was uh, heading in, in that general direction. And, you know, he he was he to me, he was he may have been on the verge, even though he was here, you know, as a businessman, he may have been on the verge of something important. Then he goes off the deep end and says, we need to hold our vote. I mean, is that to say black folks shouldn't go vote? Because no. What we should do is, as a community, and this is how you gain real political power, is first of all, you research your candidates, not the candidates that mass media spoon feeds you, but actually understanding there are, look, tens, um, <laughs> near, look, almost a hundred, hundreds of political candidates, of uh, presidential candidates, 
Not just the two that the media shows you on TV over and over again. But see, to know that and to understand that, you have to do your research. And these are the type of things that business people don't talk about. You get these buzzwords, you get this rhetoric, you get this conversation, but you never hear the word research. You never hear you know, the terminology that says, learn these things for yourself. Here's what's really going on. They'll give you some of the truth, but they won't give you the entire truth. And that's the heart of my issue of what's going on here. Diddy wants to talk about President Obama. Okay. He wants to talk about Hillary Clinton. I don't so much disagree with Diddy's quotes. I disagree with his intent, and I disagree with him not speaking the truth and nothing but the truth. And then, of course, there's the framework of this article by CNN, which, you know, if you read if you read it, it kind of coming away. It makes you feel like, you know, Diddy's a Trump supporter, which I don't think that is where, um, where Diddy's coming from. Diddy's a businessman. Diddy's going to do those things that ensure his, his uh, empire grows. Um, whether it be, you know, economic action, political action, social action. That's what Diddy's going to do. So on the one hand, I understand that. On the other hand, I think, you know, taking pot shots at the president to promote your school, you know, uh, and I, I would I would like to see Diddy be more than a figurehead for this school. I would like to see Diddy, you know, invest his time, not just be, you know, a cheerleader for this school. Um, to, I would like to see him take a role uh, like Jalen Rose has taken. Uh, with his uh, leadership academy in Detroit, I mean that's a that's an outstanding endeavor, as as far as I as far as I've seen it has, and it has been uh, my experience uh, with what Jalen Rose is doing there. You know, look, things change, conditions conditions change. One more story before we close out today. Uh, again, talking about education, and you know, it's <laughs> the the irony of this story. You're really going to see it, I think. You know, once I share it with you, and you know, but juxtapose it with some of the other things we've been talking about today. Uh, the story's out of Davie, Florida. Uh, students of ITT's Technical Institute uh, campus in Davie, Florida, uh, arrived to school to attend their scheduled classes. Actually, the day after Labor Day, which is uh, today. But were soon blindsided when they received an email saying class was canceled for good. Uh, the ITT Technical Institute is closing all of its campuses nationwide, including numerous campuses in South Florida. According to Bloomberg, ITT Educational Services, Inc. is closing more of their uh, 130 uh, technical school campuses, which will leave as many as 40,000 students stranded. Uh, in a statement released earlier today, ITT Technical Services accused the Department of Education for the downfall of their ITT Technical Institutes. According to the statement, federal government demanded the company produce an additional $153 million in collateral to cover p- uh, possible losses. Some call this federal crackdown a death sentence. Uh, the DOE stopped providing federal assistance to the ITT Tech after they accused the for-profit school of taking billions of dollars in federal grants and loans while failing to provide adequate job training for their students. Unable to deal with these federal sanctions, the company stopped enrolling students last week. Then Tuesday morning, the company closed all operations and terminated the majority of more than 8,000 employees. It said it is, uh, there's a statement that ITT released. Uh, it said it is with profound regret that we must report that ITT Educational Services, Inc., will discontinue academic operations at all of its ITT technical institutes permanently after approximately 50 years of continuous, continuous service. With what we believe is a complete disregard by the USDOE for due process to the company, hundreds of thousands of current students and alumni and more than 800, or excuse me, 8,000 employees will be negatively affected. And I go back to the, the point of ITT being a for-profit school. And I go back to this opportunity school district and uh, what's going on with charter schools. We have to be very, very careful. When we talk about economics, when we talk about uh, social issues, when we talk about, you know, really anything in this country, I think it all comes back to economics. And 
the challenge of public it's to me there shouldn't be an issue of public versus private education it should be public and private education and doing whatever is necessary to help students but here's the challenge the challenge is is that we have people who seek political power and that is a that that desire for political power is really a, a subsidiary of just the inherent greed that so many people have and my concern in terms of you know when we talk about charter schools when we're talking about the taxpayer not having representation the concern that i have is i don't want to see education become privatized i don't want to see education be about something where people are trying to make money instead of making sure that education is designed to enrich people that education is designed to change lives i think if you just if we if we look, if we look at the summation of everything that's been said during this podcast today that is the essence of it is at its best education is a tool that can be a great equalizer it's something that can take somebody from a challenging economic uh, position and can help them you know can help uh help fulfill, you know fulfill their dreams fulfill their destiny and then help them to take those dreams and help and use them to support the community. At its worst, education is something that can continue to uh, increase economic disparities in our communities, um, you know, and obviously, you know, creates educational disparities, which, you know, creates job disparities and just continues to, you know, create this great divide um, between the haves and the have-nots. And that's what I don't want to see education become. And, I, you know, that's certainly... Uh, was some of the, that was the spirit of the dialogue that uh, Ms. Venus uh, Kane shared with us. We're so glad to have her on the show. Um, and I'm just so glad to have you guys listening in to the show. This has been another great episode of Making a Difference. Got a lot of great ideas for things that are coming up. Obviously, you know, it's in a, a presidential election year. We're going to be talking a lot about that. But I, I really just want to get to the essence of some of the things that are going on, you know, in my community, uh, particularly in Augusta. A lot of people are, are concerned about you know, where Augusta is going or specifically why Augusta, you know, really hasn't gone anywhere, why Augusta hasn't really made any strides. So we're going to, we're going to look at that too, you know, uh, going to break down, you know, some, some of those commentaries and, you know, some of those concerns. If you ever want to share some things or you or, uh, share, you know, just some of your personal testimonies, or maybe there's a topic that you want us to talk about, don't hesitate. You can go to the Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page is uh, making a difference, M A K I N A difference, uh, facebook.com backslash making a difference show. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, making a difference show at gmail.com. Again, that's making M A K I N a difference show at gmail.com. Enjoyed you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the Making a Difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for making M-A-K-I-N-A difference. SoundCloud, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. On Twitter, the handle is difference making, M-A-K-I-N. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com backslash making a difference show, S-H-O-W. Thank you guys so much for supporting the movement. Love you guys. Peace and God bless.